podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net and follow us on Twitter at CypherCast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the paths of suns. Today we sing The World is But a Maze. We will discuss our challenges designing campaign arcs for Invisible Sun. Join us on the path of suns and you may uncover a secret or two. When we cast The World is But a Maze, we talk about running Invisible Sun and try to work through some issues that we run into that we're not sure how best to handle. Today, we want to talk about how to incorporate campaign arcs into Invisible Sun uh, and how it differs from the traditional approach to campaigns in a lot of classic RPGs. What's happening? The traditional model. What's happening in general? What, what's been going on? We haven't talked since Gen Con. Oh, <laughs> Yes, it's it's been crazy. Uh, the, the feed you will have noticed has been a combination of things we've recorded before Gen Con, things we recorded after Gen Con, things we recorded at Gen Con, and we're just sort of throwing them out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, my levels might be super hot. Uh, you sound pretty good to me. Well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um it is uh, we are we're trying to get back into the mode of recording uh and uh back into our pattern of the sort of topics that we're recording so this is our one of our more general sort of uh just sharing sessions about what we've run into as we've gm'd the game uh yeah because this game is different than a lot of uh games with which we've had experiences in the past yeah it, it's different um you know and I think we're going to get in, get into it, but this this game I think lines up with kind of how I've been doing campaign arcs for a while, so it's it should be interesting. Right, it's worth reviewing just for purposes of contrast. The the more traditional model uh, that goes back decades, where uh, usually players arrive at the table with their uh, their characters. Uh, the DM sort of tells a story in which the characters participate, but it's the GM's responsibility to design an overall story. Whether that story is go to the next level of the dungeon, kill all the things there and take their stuff so that you can be strong enough to go to the next level of the dungeon to kill all those things and get all of their even nicer stuff. Uh, to uh, famous campaign arcs from early Dungeons and Dragons, like the uh, uh, Against the Giants and um, the, the Drow arc and those sorts of things. Uh, players obviously had autonomy and there was a lot of variability in what players would do. But there was there was some uniformity in the published campaigns into as to what uh, story the, the, the general outline of the story would be. Hey, I've got a historical question. Um, mm -hmm. Against the Giants, did that include Keep on the Borderlands, or was that in a different big arc? A uh, different game system, even. Uh, uh, Keep on the Borderlands was for basic D&D, &D, and Against the Giants was for AD&D. &D. Oh, okay. And then there's, like, uh, Isle of Dread? Uh, that's B, or no, X1 yeah. for Expert D&D. &D. Expert D&D, &D, like the blue box? Yes. I think I forgot which color it was, but yes, it's a, it's its own box set. Cool. 
so uh, I don't recall whether the B and X series really had much of an arc to them, but AD&D had a lot of arcs to it, sometimes based on uh, camp, uh, uh, convention c- competition modules. So I believe Against the Giants was actually a uh, competition originally, but I'm not positive on that. But anyway, there's uh, some famous arcs there. Uh, eventually, this builds towards things like Dragonlance, where you could read the book or you could play the game with the, those characters. Um, and this still had this very strict model of the GM is providing the story and characters participate in it. And, and this model survives to this day, uh, both in current Dungeons and Dragons approaches where, you know, twice a year they produce a big hardcover that is an arc. And one of the reasons they do this is that they like people to have shared experiences that people can talk about. Oh, they're, how did they handle Strahd? Uh, it may, some of the details may vary and the sequence may vary, but some of the set pieces of encounters uh, will be the same and the major villains will be the same because everyone with Rise of Tiamat's fighting Tiamat yeah. and the like. Uh, MCG has done the same thing to some degree with the uh, Devil's Spine and Dark Spiral and uh, the more recent Slaves of the Machine God, where again, they, there's some variability maybe in the sequence in which you play through certain encounters and the counters will play out differently depending upon the decisions uh, players have made for their characters, whether it's character building or just the actions of their characters, but it's intended to provide a relatively comparable experience uh, and to uh, provide a story so that the GM doesn't have to necessarily create all of the NPCs and locations and all of that. Uh, and that's very common approach to campaign design in RPGs. Some like to design their own campaigns, but still classically, this is the GM designing a campaign where they, they decide who are the major villains, what are the major locations and the like. Invisible Sun though, sort of disrupts this model to some degree. Uh, and and it, more than I had even expected uh, in reading through the you know the playtest material, and uh, I'm st- still learning how deeply it disrupts this model as we play through the the full game, uh, because the first session is such a point of emphasis, uh, and characters create or players create their own character arcs. Uh, the campaigns tend to be much more ground up uh, rather than top down. And it's more challenging, I've found, than say uh, than in other uh, games where you might say, "Okay, everyone, we're playing um, the is it Storm Kings something or other." That that's the Against the Giants update for Five E. Um, but you know, you you don't say like we're playing this campaign, and you can design whatever character you want, but you're gonna you're gonna be fighting a bunch of giants. It's different in Invisible Sun in that, depending upon first session, there may be some ideas that really capture the attention of some or all the players and they can just displace your intent for a long-term campaign. Uh, And after that first session, you might also have five players who all want to do five different things. Uh, I would say likely even. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Their PCs are required to have their own arcs. Uh, These arcs may overlap or they may not, depending upon which arcs they choose how seriously they take their bonds and, and those sorts of sorts of issues. Um, so it, it, the actual plays and my own experiences suggest that the game is much less focused on pre-planned campaign arcs than any game I've played before. 
whether they're commercial, you know, purchased campaign arcs or GM written campaign arcs, the emphasis is much more on the emergent combination of the character arcs that the first session generates and then that are added to later on as players play through the, the game. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been running into. And this is where I think that I've been running my arcs in a similar fashion for the past few years. Uh, it's much more striking with Invisible Sun, but the way that I was running stuff in, I guess the previous one was a D&D campaign in Primeval Duel. Uh, prior to that, it was like Shadow of the Demon Lord. That one was a bit different, though. That was more of like a Monster of the Week sort of game that I ran. Uh, but I always tended to start off with you know, some of the pre-published material just to get a sense of the world and a sense of the mechanics and things like that. And there would be a bunch of campaign arcs that would kick off in there. And then after three or four sessions, when the players are figuring out what the world's like and when they're figuring out what they're interested in, we would tend to cast off a whole bunch of the stuff from the pre-published material and, you know, six sessions in, I would just be working from, you know, what have my players latched onto and what have they been telling me they want to do? So it's kind of a mix of the two things, but Invisible Sun, like I didn't even start with any idea of where we were going to go. And, you know, we had the uh, directed campaign to sort of use as, I want to say a conversation starter but I've found that I'm to a point where I'm picking and choosing the things that I want to use even from that. Right. In my experience had been, I didn't use a lot of commercial campaigns that, you know, purchased for maybe a module here and there, but not much in the way of long campaigns. Mm -hmm. When I'd done long campaigns, they'd almost always been GM uh, designed sometimes around pieces from modules, but never uh, you know, these long, not like, not like the current five uh, E module or even uh Devil's Spine or Dark Spiral, where that's like a year's worth of gaming, probably yeah. in any of those. Um, but I'd always come in with either as the GM or as a player with a GM coming in saying, "Okay, we, you know, we've got this general theme in this location, and there's an idea behind what the first four levels will be like, and what the next four or so levels will be like, and if we, you know, what what the big bad is." and what themes will be connecting all of this. And there's, there's usually a, a relatively coherent plan that uh, I hadn't really noticed was there in many cases or how strong an influence it had until it wasn't as appropriate with Invisible Sun because the players were generating material in, in the first session that was much more interesting to them mm -hmm. than uh, the typical zero to hero hero's journey sort of stories that we tend to use to make these campaign, these giant campaign arcs. And uh, quickly the players character arcs just pushed the campaign arc out of the way. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is a, this is a feature, not a problem, um, but it is uncomfortable at first until you kind of realize until you kind of give in to the system and realize that everyone will have more fun doing what they want to do. Uh, but a lot of people have instincts and I initially had instincts that were like, okay, how do I get this back on track? Like, Oh, track, like, you know, a railroad, like uh, all of those bad stories we hear about GMs that try to make everything about their story and not about what the uh, players want to do. Like, Oh, wait a second. Let's not try to get it on track. There is no track. We are in fact 
laying down the track as we go. And the players are involved in that in Invisible Sun more than they have been in a lot of other games. So it's it's been liberating, but a little scary. Yeah, and I've been running into that too. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the players are looking at it and saying, we don't know exactly what we're supposed to do. Um, though, you know, if I'm talking to one of the players, either at the table or outside the table, they might say something to me like, oh, I really wanted to follow up on this one thing that came up a few sessions ago. And I will take that and get prepared for the next session with that in mind. Um, and that might be where some of the other players are like, oh, I'm not really sure what we want to be doing at this point. And coming into a session, it's like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, one of the other players wants to do this thing. Why don't you guys all get on board and we're going to do this thing in this session? So like, they're still telling me where they're going. It's just that, you know, we got to move the spotlight from one player to another player. And it tends to be a spotlight for the whole session. Yeah. And my experience has been a little, uh, I, I don't think I would say strange. Uh, it has been varied. I don't think strange is the right word. Um, when we started out, especially like, this was during the play test, but I think this would be the, a similar experience with people starting with the, the actual released game. Players were very reluctant to uh, call for their arcs very strongly. Yes. And so I had to have a bit of an arc to begin with just to get action moving. And players began to choose character arcs that tied into those that kind of the, the general thrust of the uh, of the GM generated campaign arc. And uh, that worked out really well. Uh, it was useful when uh, players were, you know, had low energy or like you said, some weeks they're like, I need someone else to sort of figure out what we're doing this week. I'll play along, but I'm just not going to be the leader in this this particular week, whatever it may be. Uh, and then having a GM sort of arc was useful when all the players, especially I have a relatively small group at times it's been two or three people mm -hmm. when everyone shows up and says, okay, uh, I'm here to play, but I'm not really here to, I don't have the energy to just start talking and create a story and I need everyone to help. And since everyone needed everyone else to help, uh, having a, a backup with the GM sort of arc was useful. Uh, but I found when we, we didn't start the directed campaign until after the, uh, well into the actual release of the game mm -hmm. uh, far after the, cam the directed campaign actually started. In fact, so we'd already had months and months of our own campaign. Well, in those months and months, the uh, arc I had started as GM had become intertwined with various character arcs people had chosen. <laughs> yeah. Then trying to introduce the directed campaign later hasn't worked out like I had thought it would. Again, this isn't necessarily a big problem. It just uh, it just means I'm using the directed campaign differently than I had expected. It is not a campaign like Dark Spiral for the Strange. Mm -hmm. um, it is uh, a toolbox of options when we when people are not sure what else to do. There's something that can be done, but it does not have the emotional connection to the party that the longer term story into which they have woven their own character arcs has. It seems like a very much a B plot, C plot sort of uh, uh, option. And we have more or less abandoned the directed campaign and that's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in that same same spot. Like we started with a directed campaign, like I had it integrated into session zero and we had a bunch of uh, sessions 
after that where they were focused on investigating what was going on with the events that were related to the campaign. Uh, and then they got to a certain point where it was like, hey, do you want to go and do this thing? And they said, yeah, we do. And then they just haven't. <laughs> and that was like six months ago. And, you know, every time, like, I'll, I'll do like a summary of here's what's going on with your various character arcs. And here are the other like plot, plot threads that you were thinking about pursuing at one time or another. And, you know, there's this list of all this stuff. So then when the players say, like, we want to do this or this or this, in, inevitably they've always gone after the things that they've been generating themselves rather than, mm -hmm. you know, anything that I've really come up with or anything from the directed campaign right now. Like, I'm still pulling things from the directed campaign because it is pretty modular. Um, but a lot of the things that I'm putting together are a reaction to the story arcs that they're pursuing because of their actions. Um, you know, there was something we kicked off in the first session that wasn't related to the directed campaign at all. And they're starting to come back to that as sort of a big uh, mystery that they're trying to solve. Um, but other than that, it's like they have these little things that they run into in a given session. And then later on they say, you know, I'm, I want to follow up on that. I want to dig into that a little bit more. And that's where all of my work is coming in. Yeah. And I've had to kind of evolve uh, in my uh, relationship to, to how, you know, how I GM because this was uncomfortable at first, but I think this is exactly what was intended by the system. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, while it, it is, I do think it is useful for a GM to have an, an idea in mind for a long arc when starting out, mm -hmm. especially if your players are uncomfortable with the setting or you know, they just are, are, are ready to jump in and say, okay, well, I'm going to go do this stuff. They need a little bit of a, a push to get the get momentum. What's almost impossible uh, in my experience is once that momentum is going to say, okay, now we're going to do something new. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, ha it has to be connected in and, and emerge from the arcs that characters are pursuing. Now, characters can pursue new arcs and they'll probably connect them to previous uh adventures and, and uh, events in the campaign. And that works out great. Um, but understand as a GM, like it, it basically it boils down to like trying to impose the directed campaign a year into us playing uh, didn't work, probably should not have worked. Uh, and the directed campaign has instead become a useful place to draw NPCs and other things yep. Uh, from the material rather than a campaign uh, like you might have again with a more traditional model where you say, okay, well we finished keep on the borderlands. Uh, now let's, let's uh, change additions maybe um, and do uh, against the giants or the, the uh, slavers uh, arc or whatever it might be. Um, you aren't just like bringing in new campaigns and saying, okay, now we're all moving over to this. Instead you are just, once it get the ball gets rolling and you get some momentum uh, this game has considerable uh, uh, can creates considerable attachment, which is really nice. Uh, it's it's how we have development mode. It's what keeps people coming back to the table. It's what it's the sort of experience that people will remember far more than the next room of orcs. But uh, it is a different experience for GM planning, and I think it's important for people to kind of understand uh, that it's coming. And that if they have, if they're uncomfortable and they're trying to figure out how to manage this, uh, that they're not alone. This is a very common experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
It's um, it's been something I've been working with, and you know, I'm I'm kind of excited that my players have been interacting with a character who wants them out of his business and would prefer them to be dead if that is how it's going to have to be. Um, but they are they are still pestering him, so at some point that's going to have to ramp up. Yeah, we start. We still are. In varying degrees connected to the arc I started way back at the beginning of the playtest. But it is now supported by deep connections to one of the player's character arcs um, and some more kind of uh, other connections that aren't quite as direct, but are are, um, kind of consistent with the arcs that other other players have chosen for their characters. Uh, And so just everything kind of feeds into that arc now. Uh, and so uh, I, like I said, uh, trying to impose a new arc until we reach a point. I, I could see reaching a point where as a group, we all say, OK, I think we'd want to do something a little different now. Mm-hmm. And the choice of character arcs will likely reflect that, especially since given the integration of character arcs into the broader story, uh, they're likely to resolve at a similar point in time. So players will be thinking about their next arc together. Uh, and that might mean we can actually have a more or less coherent arc uh, for the party uh, that will, will will replace this kind of initial arc or arcs. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are there are some tools in the game to help with this. Uh, I'm not sure how powerful they are, but they're they're present, and their power will likely depend on context. Uh, the clearest tool is the desideratum. This is uh, something you define during first session, if I recall, that is supposed to say, explain why, why your group is working together. Yeah. Why these aren't just separate Vizlay. Yeah, that's a, a first session thing. And uh, it's like there are a couple of different options that you have for it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that probably should evolve as the story for your characters change. Right. And at, you know, six months into your campaign, It'll be very obvious why your why the characters are still working with each other because they have history together. Yeah. They have experienced similar things and probably are pursuing similar uh, things or pursued by similar things. Um, but getting started is hard, and the desideratum is useful to start a conversation about why the the characters would be together at all. But they're very general, so I think desideratum are things like we want money or we want more. Uh, we want to learn um, uh, more information. So maybe it's not so much that it evolves; it just gets discarded after a while. Right, because you don't necessarily need it. You don't refer yeah. to it very often uh, after you have that momentum. But this is useful for starting that momentum. And I think it's even more useful to the extent that the party can agree on as specific a desideratum as possible. Mm-hmm. I think uh, finding the lost grimoire of spells is if they if everyone thinks that's an interesting desideratum, that is actually more useful at generating momentum than uh, finding information. <laughs> so it, which is a choice given in the books for a desideratum. So the, the more specific you have, the more coherent that initial arc will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if, if you just want to have some Vizlay who are loosely connected and kind of pursuing their own stories that just intersect at various times, um, a sort of uh, picaresque Vizlay story, uh, that's fine. That's, that's a very interesting way to play the game. 
Uh, and that would just suggest you would want a more general desideratum. And these are just people who happen to all be looking for new spells, even if they're looking for different new spells or different new knowledge. And they just meet at the, uh, the Visley Cafe and talk about it. And that's their only connection at the start. And then you allow the connections to grow more dense over time. Uh, but the desideratum is there to kind of help you get going. Um, and its influence on the campaign depends entirely on how seriously you take it. Mm -hmm. One thing that's that is also not as obvious in the rules is that character arcs can be shared. So you could you could have pairs or even an entire party take the same arc and have it as a shared party arc. This is similar to what I I think I kind of encourage my players to do, which is hey. If somebody's really interested in doing something, maybe you should take a look at the character arcs that there are in the book and pick one of those that you can focus on and support this other player's current arc. Because if we're going to be pursuing their arc, why not help them out? Like we're sitting at the table together. So, you know, get in on it. Right. And one of the arcs is, is directly like help another. Yep. Or I forgot the title for yeah, it. So you could take that. Aid a friend. Okay, yeah, you, you can take that. Or you can literally just take the same arc that they are taking. Mm -hmm. uh, again, with this kind of find the grimoire example, you could just say, hey, all of us or three of us all want the same grimoire. So we're just all going to take the same arc. <laughs> and that's now a, probably going to be an inf influential part of the campaign. And yeah. again, it's working as intended uh, that the, the this character arc selection is a signal to the GM that the players care about this. The things they choose, they will care about more. And the stories that engage, the aspects they care about will be more memorable, will be more enjoyable than those that they are simply experiencing as bystanders. Even if they're bystanders slinging spells to resolve the conflict, it is they uh, if they're going after the Grimoire, not because the mysterious man in the tavern uh, offered to pay them five mage coin to do it, but for what they get to decide, well, why do you want this grimoire? And three different people say, oh, well, we want them maybe for different reasons, but we all want this for, for ourselves. Mm -hmm. It motivates them more. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've found that knitting together these individual arcs, whether because they are the same arc or just even just finding ways to knit them together has been much easier for me than trying to connect individual arcs into something I'm into a structure I'm trying to impose. So you're, you're finding it easier to, take all of the arcs that your players have selected for themselves and just weaving them together rather than trying to put them into a story that you're trying to tell. Yes. Okay. Um, though by that, I mean that, that obviously I'm telling some story by trying to figure out how arc a and arc B connect to each other mm -hmm. or are, are coming up with a story that can engage, um, join an organization and get revenge. Like, okay, well, let's see if there's a way for me to do one story that lets this person get revenge and that person join an organization. I was going to say, like, this this relies a lot upon, like, finding the coincidence that, like, puts <laughs> these things together and then not worrying that the coincidence is extremely contrived and kind of stupid if you were to read it in a novel. Because at right. the table, if you're experiencing it, it doesn't really matter. Like it, you don't, you're not writing highbrow fiction here. Like it's much more right. fun and, if it's pulpy. And coincidence is called out in the books as like, this is kind of, I wouldn't call it necessarily a theme of the game, but one of the characteristics of sort of occult belief systems. 
mm-hmm. is that coincidence is not coincidence. It is all part of us. It's all part of a giant machine. Yeah, that's something I've had to untrain myself on, which is, boy, that seems like a real coincidence that the like book of spells that they're looking for is in this like major villain's basement. And that ties like these two character arcs together. Like, no, it's not a coincidence. Like, that's just how it works in this world. Right. And another way to think about it is there's an uncountably large number of stories we don't tell because the characters never came together. Yeah. (laughs) We happen to be telling the story where through coincidence and just random chance, they did come together. But we tell that story because it's more interesting uh, without making a statement about how likely these, uh, uh, these stories are to connect to each other. And once you get started, it's no, it, and you're starting your second wave of character arcs. It's no longer coincidence, right? You you may be reacting in different ways to the uh, the stories that have happened before, but you are now all part of a story, and everything's emerging from that story. It's just for the first few weeks that you might have these contrivances, mm-hmm. and well, people won't remember those. <laughs> they'll they'll focus on the the parts of the story they enjoyed most, oh. and uh, once you can kind of get past that contrivance. Uh, the momentum will carry you forward. It also seems contrived if you see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're not if you are not looking at that picture and seeing all the details, then you're not going to see these weird coincidences that are coming up. Like you might experience them and say, "Oh man, that's crazy. How did how did this actually happen? Why did these two things like come together in this way? Like what a crazy coincidence." But like when you're in that story, you're not, you don't see the whole picture. So you don't have all the context. So you're going to be, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be trying to look for the patterns and trying to figure this, this stuff out. And it's not going to seem as contrived if you're a player. Yeah. And, and I haven't had too much problem with contrivance. Maybe I've, I've been lucky, um, but there, there's been some trust on the part of the players that I will work their story in. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not obvious from the first 10, ten minutes of any session. So if one person is working on finding a lost relative, and that is seemingly the central point of what we're doing that particular session, or even two or three sessions in a row, um, other people have arcs like join an organization where it's not that somehow the person that they're the lost relative has a membership card they can use, but they know that along the way, I will work in some components of the story that will allow allow them to advance their join the organization arc so they just know they will advance even if they're not the a plot yeah uh and that has worked out pretty well because some of the character arcs work much better as a plots Mm -hmm. than others do (laughs) yeah it would be interesting to to see um how you would make an a plot of like have a child right um, that might be uh, again uh, something to add to our list of topics is is if we could like talk about sets of character arcs that work as sort of a plots and b plots and how to combine them because honestly it's not that b plots are less important or less interesting it's just sometimes they are most interesting in a secondary position mm-hmm. and most flexible in that, in that position so it's not a bad choice it's not like there's an a tier and a b tier it's just that when you're putting together the story. There may be some, you might want a combination of some from each of these sets, uh, but that may be an ambitious uh, project to work on. But that sounds like fun. I may have to think about that more. Oh, we should just add so it. I'm not adding it to our list yet, but no, I'm adding it to add the back to of the my list. mind. Okay. <laughs> I will add it to our now active and currently being updated list. Yay. All right. 
good. <laughs> This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from Drive-Thru RPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us.